0: Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. It's time for the Money Night Podcast with Certified Financial Planner, Wade Chessman. Good to have you back on the Money Night Podcast. I'm Ben George alongside Wade Chessman, Certified Financial Planner and Certified Kingdom Advisor Chessman Wealth Strategies. Today, we're talking all about tax diversification. If you don't know what it is, well, join me. I'm, I'm ready to learn something today, Wade. When you said <laughs> yeah. tax diversification, I said, well, I know about taxes and I'm aware of diversification, but I don't, ever, I don't know if I've ever heard them put together before.
1: Yeah, it's a different concept. You know, we've heard about diversification of our investments, but, you know, let's talk about tax diversification. Um, what the impetus behind this really was we've started doing some educational workshops on taxes and retirement, okay. uh, because you know, if you think about it, there's an entity out there that really likes to take away your retirement resources, hmm. called the IRS. Right? <laughs> I mean, they want—they pretty much want a piece of everything. They want a piece of your 401k withdrawals. They want a piece of your IRA. A lot of times, they want a piece of your Social Security, your pension, your CD income. I mean, you name it. Pretty for the most part, they really want to that. They want to take their pool of the taxes. So Mm -hmm. the idea behind tax diversification is to think about having your money in different buckets, if you will. So you're familiar with the taxable bucket. So that's money that you've accumulated over time. Mm -hmm. It's sitting in a savings account. It's sitting in a stock portfolio. Maybe it's in CDs, whatever the case. It's money you've already paid taxes on for the most part. That's your taxable bucket. And then uh, uh, the second bucket that a lot of especially now we see people really having a good chunk of their money in this bucket it wasn't always the case you know i've talked about this in the past but like my grandfather he didn't have a whole lot of money in the tax deferred bucket because back in his day you know he got a pension and the, early, the iras weren't a big deal 401ks weren't a big deal i mean when he retired he had a pension, he had social security, His my grandmother had a pension, she had social security. I mean, they had four checks coming in every month. It's kind of hard to screw it up, really. But now the onus has been put on you, right? For you to save money through these defined contribution plans, 401Ks, IRAs, things like that. And so that second bucket is what we call the tax deferred bucket. The key word there is deferred. Not, you know, when you put money and your 401k and you get a tax break for putting it in there it's just a it's a break in the year you put it in you get a tax deduction or you don't pay income on that money you put in but guess what someday that money has to come out whether yeah. you want it to or not the government's going to make you take it out or you're going to die and then they're going to make your heirs take it out so the tax deferred bucket is a def- just like it sounds it's deferred and then the final bucket is my favorite bucket. It's the tax free bucket. Yeah. (laughs) Like that. Yeah. Yeah. You love that. And that's things like cash value life insurance. And I was thinking about this the other day. I talked about this in my workshop. You know, one of the things that we've seen a lot of over the years, even especially recently, is tax law changes, right? You know, taxes going up, taxes going down, all kinds of new provisions, especially with like COVID. There's just been all kinds of stuff that has Mm -hmm. gone on. You rarely see changes in the in the insurance code. Uh, cash value life insurance has been has been you've been able to pull that out tax free in the form of a loan forever. So you got cash value life insurance. You have Roth IRAs. You have the things like health savings accounts. That's your tax free bucket. So the idea is we really don't know what's going to happen in the future with taxes. My sense is they're it's going to probably go up just right. because of everything that's happening. You know, we have $28 trillion in debt. Uh, it's gone up, I think it's doubled in the last 10 years. It's gone up every single year since 2013. And it really doesn't matter who's in the White House. Now, the current administration, they they like to spend. Uh, it's kind of like, let's just go nuts. But even, you know, Trump, he spent a lot of money. Bush, yep. they were all, they're all just, you know, lo- love to spend money. So the concept is, You diversify, and you have money in various buckets to give yourself more flexibility when it comes time to take out money in retirement. So if you had all your money in the tax-deferred bucket, you don't have a lot of flexibility, right? Every dime that you take out is going to be subject to taxation. But if you had money in bucket one, bucket two, and bucket three, you could pick and choose a little bit more and maybe manage your tax situation more effectively. You might be able to keep yourself in a lower tax bracket. You might be able to avoid paying a higher Medicare Part B premium if you keep your income at a certain level. You might be able to do uh, your required minimum distributions. You have a little more flexibility on those if you've got more money in different buckets. So concept is diversification, much like you're doing with investments. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. You diversify to manage risk. Same exact thing with taxes. You put money in different buckets thus giving yourself more flexibility in the future. And the time to think about it is now, right? Start thinking about this today and coming up with strategies to get money in each bucket. And it's complex. It's not something that, you know, typically people can do on their own because you have to look at all the different factors that play into it. But it can be be well worth it to have, like I said, multiple buckets in which to draw from. So that is the whole concept of tax diversification. I
0: mean, it makes a lot of sense um, for sure when you lay it out like that and you break it down into buckets. Is there some kind of split that you try to aim for in terms of uh, balance, you know, 50% taxable, 30% here, mm-hmm. 20 there, or is it just, is it truly a person by person basis?
1: I mean, it's usually person by person, but I will say this. I think one of the goals, a worthy goal is to get as much money in bucket three, that tax-free bucket as possible. Yeah. So, um, because no matter who you are, that's going to give you some flexibility. So I say the biggest problem that a lot of people have is they've got, especially, like I said, in today's, the way retirement is set up today, what we find is a lot of people have large amounts of money in that tax deferred bucket. And they just don't have the type of flexibility that they need to, um, when it comes time to pull money out. So I'd say there's not a set percentage or anything like that, but I'd say definitely getting more money in bucket 3 would be a worthy objective. At least look at and see, you know, what does it take? And then do some analysis and say, okay, if I if I stay in my current course, what's what are things maybe going to look like? And then what would be a worthy objective to get to. So kind of like a lot of things we talk about in here, it takes a little bit of a planning, but I'd say in general You know, generally speaking, getting as much money in the tax-free bucket is going to be to most people's
0: benefit. You talked about kind of evaluating situation. Is this something that changes um, over time too? I know with all, with other diversification, especially with investing, obviously it's going to change depending on what your needs are and your goals are at the time. Is it the same with taxes too, like where you're constantly evaluating this as you move closer to retirement and then into retirement?
1: Yeah. It's not something you just want to put on a shelf and forget about. I mean, I wouldn't say it changes like every month or anything. But what happens is, you know, we had the tax changes in 2019, and we had changes in 20, 2017. So it's just something you have to reevaluate as taxes change. You know, you've got to consider that, and as the tax code changes, as the new administration comes in, there's always going to be nuances that need to be taken care of. So I wouldn't say it's something that has to be evaluated all the time, but if Just like anything else, when you come in to review and your your progress, you know what kind of like anything, right? If you're on a on a path along the way, there's going to be sometimes you need to make adjustments. So yeah, periodically you want to look at it, and you might want to make adjustments.
0: Gotcha. What are some maybe some mistakes people might uh, want to think about if they don't diversify taxes? Like how can you get yourself into trouble long term if you don't sit down with someone and actually diversify uh, these tax buckets?
1: Well, the biggest thing that I see is that people get into retirement, they, they may have plenty of assets, but they haven't done any tax diversification. So now they have all of their money, the vast majority of their money is in tax deferred buckets, like I talked about earlier. So what that means is that every time they pull money out, it's going to be subject to tax. And if you're like me and you think taxes are going up in the future, then your chances are is that you know, you're know you going to be continuing to pay higher taxes, especially. When you turn 72 and then the government says, OK, it's time to start taking money out of these IRAs, whether you want to or not, your, your, aren't, your required minimum distributions could be high enough to push you into higher brackets, push you into more of your Social Security being taxed, push you into higher Medicare premiums. So that's the biggest mistake is that people don't – they just don't have the flexibility to pull money from different buckets depending on the year, depending on who's in the administration. That, that's the biggest one that we see now that the – more of the responsibility for retirement is being put on the shoulders of the individuals.
0: Gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. Well, if tax diversification isn't something you thought about before or not something that you have planned for, or if you're just not sure how diversified you are from a tax perspective, Check out Wade's website, ChessmanWealth.com. There you can schedule a uh, time to meet with Wade. There's also a lot of other resources there, but get in touch with someone that can, you can actually sit down with and, and lay this out and have a plan, have your money going in these three buckets where they need to be and uh, make sure it meets your goals and needs for retirement. But Chessman Wealth is always there. Tax planning is just one piece of the puzzle for your retirement and uh, they're there to help you with that. Any other thoughts on the the tax planning way before we get to No, a I think we hit questions? it pretty,
1: pretty well. Um, this something, it's a new concept for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that we spend a little time on it.
0: Very good. All right, let's jump into the mailbag. We got a couple of questions came into the podcast, so we'll take some time now to answer those. Our first one came in from Jimmy. Jimmy says, yeah. I've heard you talk about having a, an emergency fund, but I'm having trouble determining how much I should have in mind and where to invest that emergency fund money. I'm also not exactly sure how to define an emergency so that I know when I can dip into it. (laughs) So what's your advice?
1: Well, we usually recommend, you know, depends on your, in general, I'd say six months of living expenses is a good rule of thumb. If you know, if you work for the government and you're pretty stable job and you don't, you don't have any concerns about possible layoffs and things like that in the future, then maybe you don't need to keep quite as much, but you know, emergencies come up, things like the car breaks down and it requires a big repair or you, or, you know, we just had another, there was a house here in Dallas. We had a tornado a few years ago that tore through Dallas. I mean, it was bad. Tore up the Home Depot, tore up a ton, a ton of homes and they rebuilt this one house and they rebuilt this nursery over there and they both got hit again a couple of days ago. So, Man. you know, think about that. If you own a home- And your roof gets blown off yeah you may have insurance but there's a deductible and it's usually pretty big so just things like that happen in life and the idea is you don't want to have to go into debt to borrow against that or you don't want to have to sell off your investment portfolio let's say that uh, something happened in the middle of covid and you all of a sudden needed 10 or 20 grand to pay off you know home repair or your air conditioner went out and now all of a sudden the market's down 30 or 40% because of you know, what happened during COVID, and now you need money, this just avoids having to sell off things maybe when they're down. So that's the whole point of having an emergency fund. I mean, you know, life's all about the unexpected. Things come up we just don't think about. So that's what I would say is six months expenses, maybe a little less depending on your situation, maybe a little bit more. If you're self-employed, You know, let's say you're somebody like, let's say you're an actor. That's a good example, and your income's very sporadic, and you might have a hit show one day, and you may be you know, out on the streets for the next couple months. Mm-hmm. You might want to have even more so that you can weather those storms and give yourself more flexibility. So it does depend, but I'd say six months is a good rule, and then I would put that money in something that doesn't fluctuate very much, you know, like a high-yield savings account or something like that, so that you can get to it and you don't have to worry about it going down.
0: I would think like a, a high commission paying job, right? That you don't. Yeah, really know. if you're if
1: you're totally relying on commission, yeah. and your income is very volatile, and you know, especially if you sell like big ticket items that, right? You know, like an airplane or something, and you would only sell one or a year or two or you know something like that.
0: That would definitely qualify. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that question, Jimmy. It's a good one. I think it's, a, it's something that a lot of people think about and wonder about and are curious about. So I'm glad you asked it. And I'm glad we could get you a little information here on the podcast. All right, next question comes in from Bill. He says, what happens to the money in my 401k after I retire? Do I have to roll it over to a different account or can I just leave it there?
1: What happens after you retire is you don't have to roll it over. You can leave it there if you want. You know, it really depends on some of your objectives, what you're trying to achieve. It depends on the, the plan itself. You know, maybe it's a great plan. It has a lot of awesome, great choices that are you know, that you like and it's an affordable, well-managed plan, you certainly could leave it there. A lot of people choose to roll it out to give themselves a little bit more flexibility on the types of things they can do with the money, types of investments they have access to and things like that. But it really depends. There's no rule of thumb that says you can't, that you need to do that. Um, in some cases, you might be better off leaving it there, but it de- you don't have to do anything typically. Usually, you can leave it there and indefinitely. What, what we find is sometimes people have, they'll have a plan and then they get a new job and they have another plan. They get a new job and they have another plan. They have plans all over the place. That does make it a little bit more difficult to manage and to really have a plan for all of that. So that'd be a reason to maybe consider rolling it over is you know consolidation to make management easier. But I wouldn't say roll it over no matter what. I'd say you would have to look at it case by case, but So there's reasons to leave it there. There's reasons to maybe consider rolling over. But you don't have to do anything.
0: Hope that helps you, Bill. Always sit down and and have a plan for whatever actions you take, just like we always talk about with any area of financial planning. You want to have a plan for what you're doing. Don't just want to act on a whim uh, or especially don't want to act emotionally either way. But hopefully that helps you out. If you want to get in touch with Wade, again, it's very easy to do. ChessmanWealth.com is the website. By the way, Wade, I, I checked out your website today and I noticed it's got a fresh look to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We just updated it. Got a lot of cool new things, new
0: tools. Um, you know, keeping it fresh, man. I love it. I love it. Check it out. com. That's where you'll find Wade and his team at Chessman Wealth Strategies. And you can schedule a time to meet with him. Also, take advantage of any of their free insights and resources that are available on the site. All right. That'll do it for us on the Monday Night Podcast. For Wade Chessman, I am Ben George. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show. We'll talk to you again in a couple weeks.